listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today is our final Saturday broadcast, but the Lord was speaking to me something this morning as I was praying, and uh, you, you probably saw it in the title, Three Things That God Cannot Do, is what I'm going to be dealing with today on the broadcast. Three Things That God Cannot Do. Um, if you haven't shared it yet, please do that and, uh, and, and get this word out today, because I'm going to build your faith. Three Things God Cannot Do. You're welcome, Lisa. And I'm going to take you through the word of God and break these down for you. But when you see these three areas that God uh, cannot operate in, nor can he accomplish them, it actually is going to build your faith to see that God can't do these things. And um, we're going to cover, I've got about nine passages for you on these three things to show you what the Bible says about it and to show you that you can always put your trust in the Lord. One of the things that has been kind of on my mind is me seeing Christians that I feel like it's been exposed over the last, what, four months or so, that many Christians have their faith in people. And I feel like that's been really, really exposed in the last four months or so. Christians have their faith in the government. Christians have their faith in people, natural men and women. People have have placed their faith uh, in corporations, who they work for. And we're seeing that come out that people, you know how you see it. Let me explain to you how you can, uh, identify that is when people see something happen in the natural and become extremely discouraged. This is a sign. This is a sign. If you see something happen in the natural and you as a Christian become extremely discouraged, That shows that you didn't have your faith in the Lord, but you had your faith in something in the natural realm. And that's a dangerous place to be. And I'll explain to you why. Uh, The Bible tells us, and God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and listen to what he wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 17, five, listen to this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So that's a heavy scripture. That's a heavy verse where the Lord says there's a curse that comes upon people who put their trust in men. You know, men can fail you. Men are finite. God is infinite. And so it's a dangerous thing to put your trust in men and women versus the Lord. And when you see somebody become extremely discouraged because of something that happened in the natural realm, it's a sign unto you that their trust was in something in the natural realm. But if things can happen in the natural and you're still encouraged, you're still you know, uh, built up, edified, strengthened. You've still got a word of faith in your mouth. That's a sign 
that your trust is in the Lord because your eyes are not on men. You're not, your eyes aren't on the natural realm. Your eyes aren't on what's going on in government or the economy or culture or at your job or whatever it might be. Your eyes aren't on those things. Your eyes are on the Lord. And if they are, you can't be discouraged when things happen in the natural because your eyes aren't on that. Your, your hope is not in that. Your trust is not in that, you see. And so just, put, just tuck that away in your pocket, in your spiritual journal, and remember that. That's a sign to you. That's a sign to you. When people become discouraged because of what happens in the natural, their trust was in the natural. Do you think my praise is going to change? Do you think my rejoicing is going to change? Do you think my thanksgiving is going to change based upon who is in political office? It's not changing. I'm not discouraged. I'm not downtrodden. I'm not like walking around with my head hung low. Listen, I'm going to have overwhelming victory no matter who sits there. I'm going to have overwhelming victory no matter what happens in the economy. I'm going to have overwhelming victory no matter what corporations are doing. Do you think my victory is based on Facebook or YouTube? You think it's based on Twitter? You think it's based on Parler? Do you think it's based on Gab? My victory existed before there was Facebook. My victory existed before there was YouTube. What do you think? Victory started for Christians in America in 2006 when YouTube launched? <laughs> you, think, you think big tech brought the victory? Please. My victory will not cease because of anything a corporation does, anything a government does, anything the culture does, anything a corporate, it does not matter. Neither does yours. Our help comes from the Lord. He's the provider. He's the protector. He is the one who strengthens you, heals you, delivers you, doesn't come from men. Doesn't come from men. Don't make the mistake of allowing yourself to be discouraged because of something that has happened in the natural realm. And I don't care what it is. I don't care. It doesn't matter what it is. That's it, Jonathan. He's El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. A literal translation could be, he's the many-breasted one. He's got more than enough for you. And so I want you to hear it today. Don't be one of those people who becomes discouraged by what you see. That's why now, I mean, like literally, I don't, for years, years, I haven't paid attention to the news. For, I don't get a newspaper at my house. Uh, for years, we didn't even have cable. The only reason we have cable at our current house is because it, ha it has to come to your house as part of the homeowners association. So like, because you live in that neighborhood, it's just included in your homeowners. We don't turn it on. I don't watch cable. I don't turn on Fox News or CNN or CNBC. I don't watch it. The only news I might see is if I'm scrolling on Twitter, looking at things that other people that are my friends or ministers are posting, and it's in the midst of my feed, and I say things people have retweeted or whatever. But I don't, I don't subscribe to the news. What do I care? Honestly, what do I care? I don't. Best news I've gotten is watching my cousin's program, Check the News. It's probably the best news program that there is to watch. My cousin Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Check the News.
Because you know what you're getting there? You're getting it from a faith perspective of somebody that's full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. Not somebody that's going to give you the Antichrist agenda as they read you the news. And so that's about all. That's literally about all. And so, you know, I I haven't done that for years. Not, Not this year when everything got crazy or last year. For years, I haven't done it. Because, I mean, who cares? Who honestly cares? Especially when you realize that like 90-some percent of it's contrived. It's probably closer to 100% now. So what do I care? I don't need to hear what they have to say because it doesn't change what I'm going to do. doesn't change what I'm going to do. Because my help doesn't come from men. You can't give me a, a piece of information on the news that's going to change my life for the better. You can't do it. My life's already been changed for the better and will stay changed for the better through the word of God. And so I'm giving you, as we start today, I'm giving you a heads up. Don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of being one of those who becomes discouraged because of the fact you heard something that was going on in the natural realm. And then because of it, it shook you. Don't be shaken by what's happening in the world. Don't allow yourself to be shaken because it's not your story. Never will be your story if you are connected to the kingdom of God. Don't be discouraged. So now I'm gonna give you three things that God cannot do. Three things God cannot do. And then I'm gonna give you the verses of scripture to back that up. And I want you to write them in the note in your notes, highlight them in your Bible. I want you to uh, put them in the comments as well, the references. But uh, we're going to show you these from the uh, New Testament and the Old. And I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're starting. And I'm going to read you the 20th verse. But the first thing, there's my friend, Pastor Jordan Work. Love you, buddy. The first thing that God cannot do is God cannot leave you. That's number one. Put it in the comments. One, God cannot leave you. He cannot. It is impossible for God to leave his faithful people or abandon us. He can't abandon us. He cannot abandon us. That's good news. Hallelujah. Because where his presence is, there is freedom. Where his spirit is, there's liberty, there's freedom. In his presence is fullness of joy. So number one, he cannot leave you. He cannot abandon you. Can't leave you high and dry like people can. Cannot turn his back on you. God can't. He cannot do it. Let me read you what Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 20. The Bible says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hear Jesus. I am with you always. Not till he ascends into heaven. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God cannot abandon you, cannot leave you. (laughs) 
There's never going to be a time where you're walking without his power, his presence. You're the righteous. You're the faithful. You're in his family. And if you're in his family, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you how serious God is about not leaving you. Let me tell you how serious God is about not leaving you. He's so serious about not leaving you that he literally took the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, and caused him to dwell in your body. I mean, think about that. God is so serious about not leaving you that he made his home in your physical body. That's why Paul had to remind the church in Corinth, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you, dwells in you. That means literally, no matter where you go on this earth, the Holy Ghost, he's not out here somewhere, he's not following you, he's right in here. The Holy Ghost is in me and in you. We carry his presence with us wherever we go. He's so serious about not leaving you, he decided to make his home inside of you. I mean, that's so supernatural, man. You think about that. You think about it. The same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in your physical body and he's quickening your physical body by that same spirit. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. Now that's an encouraging word for anybody that's a Christian that's listening to me. God not only, not only will not leave you, he cannot. Let, let me break this down for a second. It's not just that he uh, won't do it. It's one thing to say, I'll, I won't do it. It's, it's one thing that he, to say that he won't do it, but let me go further than that. He can't do it. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He cannot do it. That's why I put it in the, in the title, three things God cannot do. It's not that he won't do it. He can't. Well, you say, why can't he? God's all powerful. He can do whatever he wants to do. no. He can never violate his own word. He's not a liar. And so the Bible says here, Jesus spoke clearly. I'm with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when Jesus said, I'm with you always, if there was ever a time from that moment forward that he was not with us, it makes him a liar. It makes Jesus a liar. And he is not a liar. He is the truth. Glory to God. He is the truth. And so I'm not telling you this morning that God will not leave you, although he won't. I'm telling you he cannot leave you. Not that he ever would want to, but he's bound to do what he said he would do. Glory to God. He's bound to do what he said he would do. And he's not going to leave you. Can't. Can't. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews That's why I wanted to jump on this morning and just stir your faith up, stir your faith up. It's important to get your faith stirred up. You know, you can allow your faith to lull. 
Faith's like a muscle. You keep building it. You know why? If, if there was no, let me just explain it to you this way. If there was no other um, force that we had to encounter. Erica asks a good question. What about reprobate minds? He turned them over, the Bible says in Romans chapter one. Um, notice that these were people that already re- were, were rejecting him already. But uh, as we do believe in, um, you know, the fact that you can lose your salvation. But I want you to hear this because it's an important point. That's not God leaving you. That's you leaving God. Think about that. That's not God leaving you. That's you leaving God. God won't leave you, but you can walk by your free will. You can walk away from him. You can walk away from his presence. It's not what he wants, but you have the ability to leave his presence or to leave his relationship with him or leave your covenant. It's not God walking away from you. It's you walking away from God. But let me explain something to you because faith is like a muscle. And if, if all there was, was righteousness and all there was, was the presence of God, then we wouldn't have to constantly build our faith, but understand that there always is an opposing force pushing back at our spirit and our flesh. I've explained it this way before, and it's, it's really good that you get this in your heart. Every day you have an opportunity to crucify the flesh and build your faith. Because as long as we're in this world, there will be an opposing report that you have an opportunity to believe. Let me say that again. As long as we're in this earth, there will always be an opposing report that contradicts the word of God that you've got an opportunity to believe. That's why the the, the question was brought up in the Old Testament. Whose report will you believe? Whose report? There are multiple reports about any given situation, about any given day, about your life, about your family. But the question is, whose report are you going to believe? See, if there wasn't an opposing force trying to fight back against our faith, We wouldn't have to work to stay in faith, but understand because there is. That's why I said, I cut the news out. I cut out voices of, of unbelief and doubt. I even cut out preachers that won't preach the truth. There's a preacher that preaches the truth. Pastor Terry Drost. I love you. Glad to see you on today, but understand something. Uh, they fight it. Those reports, they fight against your faith at any given moment. You have an opportunity to doubt or an opportunity to believe God. Every time uh, uh, an external report hits your ears, you have the ability to either believe it or believe the word of the Lord. And see, that's why every day, multiple times a day, the enemy tries to send you information to try to get you to doubt what God already said. That's why we keep building our faith. That's why we keep pressing in. That's why we reject the report of the world and we receive the report of the Lord. Every day we have this ability to do. I I used the example before of Peter stepping out of the boat 
And he said, Lord, if it's really you on the water, command me to come unto you, command me to come unto you. And Jesus said, come when he got that word in the midst of a storm, Peter decided to believe the word of the Lord over what he saw in the natural realm. And he stepped out of the boat and did the impossible, something no other disciple has ever done. And then what did he do? Walked on water. But then what happened in the midst? Because notice, you always have opportunity to receive another report. And Peter began to receive the report of the world. Bible says he took his eyes off of the word made flesh and he began to look at natural circumstances. And as he did, what happened? His faith went from it going from being in the word of God to faith in what was going on in the world. What was the result of his shift in belief? He began to sink. You see that he began to sink. And so that's why I'm telling you today, you always have an opportunity to believe an alternate report because there is another force trying to come against your spirit, but you make a choice to believe the report of the Lord. I will believe the report of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, where we are currently fifth verse, the Bible says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, verse six, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Glory to God. What can man do to me? And so this is the thought process here. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so we can confidently say the Lord is our helper. Glory to God. God cannot leave you. Thank you, Jesus. He cannot leave you. And here, if, if I give you one more quickly uh, on this topic, first Peter chapter three, it, it tells us how he's interacting with us. How is he interacting with us? Look at it. First Peter three, 12. This is the third reference I wanted to show you. First Peter three, 12, 12 says for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. That's big. God's eyes are on you and his ears are open to your prayers. So it's not just that he's like hanging around. He's attending to you. Hallelujah. He's attending to you. That's, that's the point. If he's there, he's attending to you. He's watching over you. He's answering your prayers. He's hearing your prayers. He's looking at you, shining his face upon you, his countenance. See that? If God's with you, he's attentive to you. I want you to put it in the comments right now. God is attending to me. Put that in. God is attending to me. God is attending to me. He's watching over you. Hallelujah. He's watching over you. Hearing your prayers, answering your prayers. God is attending to me. He cares for his children. 
loves his children. God is attending to me. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now look at this. The second thing I want to give you today that God cannot do. It's not that he won't. He cannot do it. And that is that God cannot lie. Hallelujah. God cannot lie. Impossible. It's impossible. This word is true. The entire Bible has been inspired by the Holy Ghost. His word is true. Hallelujah. His word is true. I want you to look in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And we touched on this a moment ago because if Jesus said he won't leave you or forsake you, if he said he'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, then this second thing plays in. He cannot lie. And if he cannot lie, then he can't leave. Because he said he wouldn't. (laughs) He said he wouldn't. Listen to John chapter 14. And let's look at uh, verse 6. John 14, 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see that? I am the way, the truth. He is the truth. Pastor Enoch Adeboye preached a message one time on lying. And he preached on why God hates lying so much. And the reason that God hates lying so much is because he's the truth. It's the direct opposite of who he is. That's why he hates lying. He is the truth. He doesn't tell the truth. He is the truth. Think about that. It is He's the embodiment of truth. I'm going to say that again because that's big. He doesn't tell the truth. He is the truth. That's why God hates lying and liars so much. You know what he, he, he called the devil? He's the father of lies. Father of lies. God hates lying and he hates liars because he's the truth. And that's what number two today love you, Cody. Number two is God cannot lie. That's good news because that means any, any promise that you read means anything God's ever said, anything that he's ever shown you from his word, it is always true. It will come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, I want you to go with me real quick to the book of numbers in the old Testament numbers 23. Numbers 23, and I'm going to read verse 9. I'll give you a second to get there. Oh, sorry, 23.19. Numbers 23.19. Listen to this. How powerful. Balaam. The prophet 
speaking this now. God is not a man that he should lie. Welcome from Botswana. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Now listen to this. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? One translation says, bring it to pass. Exactly. That's the point. Has he not said it and will he not do it? If he said, the whole point here, it's rhetorical. The question's rhetorical. If he said it, won't he do it? If he spoke it, won't he fulfill it? The answer, obviously, the rhetorical answer, or the answer to the rhetorical question, yes. Yes, if he spoke it, he's going to do it. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. Why? He's not a man, and he doesn't lie. He's the truth. He's the truth. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. Glory to God. Let me show you. We quote this often, but I want you to see it in this context. Listen to the effects of being the truth. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's the word of the Lord. He said, that's why my word, when it goes out of my mouth, it can't return empty. That would make me a liar. That would make me a liar. If my word went out and came back empty, didn't accomplish what I sent it to do, but it will accomplish its purpose. It will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God speaking. Isaiah 55, 11. You know why his word always has to perform? He is the truth. He doesn't tell the truth. He is the truth. Hallelujah. Number two today, God cannot lie. Not only can he not leave you, number one, but number two, he cannot lie. That should stir you up, man. That should stir you up. Not just can't leave you. He can't lie. His word is literally the highest force in all of the universe. I say that often because people need to understand it. People need to get it. (laughs) Psalm 138, verse 2. This is the English Standard Version, Nancy. The ESV. Psalm 138 and verse 2. The Lord has magnified his word above his name. Listen to the ESV. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Or the Hebrew here, they give us a footnote, literally, or you have exalted your word above all your name. You have exalted your word above all your name. Thank you, Lord. 
His word is even above his name. Or think of it this way, his name backs up his word. Because one of the things that you'll understand very clearly is somebody's word is only as good as their name, right? I mean, somebody's word is only as good as their reputation, their name. If somebody promises to do something for you, how you respond to that promise is based upon their track record or what dealings you've had with them in the past that determines or has established their reputation, right? If somebody has promised you things for the last five years and never come through on any promise, anything they've said, then you've got this mindset that you don't believe what they say. I'm going to send you something. I'm going to send you something. I'm going to get it to you. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, This week, we're going to get you something. We're going to send it to you. And you keep hearing it over and over and over. And somebody keeps promising to send you something and to send you something and to send you something. And all of a sudden, now when they're saying it, you don't even believe it anymore. You don't even believe it anymore because the track record, the track record builds a reputation. So what does that mean? Their word's no good because their name is no good. That's why you know God's word is so good because his name is so good. His track record is pure. Every time he speaks, he brings it to pass. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Every time he speaks, he brings it to pass. He's not a man. He doesn't lie. He's not the son of man. He doesn't change his mind. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Has he not spoken it? And will he not bring it to pass? That's the God you serve. He's good for his word and his word doesn't come back empty and his word doesn't come back void. That's why you can stand on this word. Hallelujah. That's the reason you can stand on this word because it's true and it'll always be true. Let me, let me read you one, but I got to get to grab the reference because I didn't write it down. Um, Let me get that reference real quick so you can write it down. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I want you to see something here. This is Matthew chapter 24. And verse 35, Jesus again is speaking. Matthew 24, 35, listen to what he said. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. (laughs) Hallelujah. I mean, think about the power of that. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never, never pass away. You know what that means? His words are eternal. Glory to God. His words are eternal. Every word comes to pass. Hallelujah. Every word comes to pass. That should stir you up, man. 
Because the word of God is the highest force in all of the universe. So number one, God can never leave you. Number two, God cannot lie. And here's the exciting one. If you're not already excited and feeling the victory today on on this Saturday, let me give you one that will. The third thing God cannot do is God cannot fail. Glory to God. God cannot fail. Romans 8. I want you to go there. I mean, these are verses that I'm sure are marked in your Bible already. But if not, mark them. Romans chapter 8. And the Bible says, Paul, uh, writing this letter to the church in Rome. What then shall we say to these things? This is verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Hmm. I love this. I mean, again, it's another rhetorical question. It seems like the Holy Spirit would use rhetorical devices often as he inspired the writers to write. Because the things should be so obvious to us, should be so obvious. And Paul, again, using another rhetorical device, who can be, if God's for us, then who? I even believe that when Jesus spoke to the demoniac that was filled with a legion of demons, I even believe that was a rhetorical question. I believe that when he said, what is your name? I even believe in Mark 5, that was a rhetorical question. Because it didn't matter. And he never asked that question to anyone else ever in the Bible that was demon possessed. He never asked for another demon's name. It's not like something you build a doctrine around. You've got to first establish the name of the demon that's attacking you. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Jesus didn't care because he never did it again. The apostles obviously never did it. It's not in the Bible. Wasn't done in the Old Testament. We don't know the names of demons. We know the name of Satan. And we know the name of this one group of demons, but I believe it was a rhetorical device because he was making a point of dominion. What was the point? What's your name? Because I'll tell you who you're standing in front of the person to whom God gave a name that's above every other name. And at this moment, you might've been the most powerful supernatural force in this region, but then I stepped off the boat. And so what's your name? Cause my name is Jesus, the name above all names. See that? I believe that's why, that's why I believe it's a rhetorical question. It was never repeated. No other demon has been revealed or the name of a demon has not been revealed in that way. No apostle did it. Jesus never did it. Never. Jesus is the name above all names. It was making a point. You see that. And so the Lord seems to give us rhetorical devices through the Holy Spirit because the answers should be obvious. They should be obvious. What's the answer here? The answer here, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, the answer is nobody. The answer is nobody. You see that? Nobody can be against us if God's for us. (laughs) Hallelujah. Nobody can be against us if God is for us. And that's the point. If he's on your side, you can't fail. You can't fail. He doesn't fail. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. He doesn't fail and you won't fail if he's with you. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. I mean, that's why if I, if you go back where we were just a, a moment ago, when we were talking about God cannot lie, if you go back to that story of Balaam, he was in the midst of a negotiation with King Balak, who is a, a wicked king. King Balak was a wicked king whose desire was to destroy Israel. That's what he wanted. That was his agenda. We want to destroy Israel. But watch this. Even the wicked King Balak understood God is with them and we cannot destroy them if God is with them. (laughs) So what did he try to do? Now we're talking about a wicked king in the Old Testament. This should show you how strong and powerful God is. Even his enemies know. So what did Balak, the evil king, try to do? He tried to bribe the prophet Balaam to get God on their side. Well, at least we know how the, how prophecy works. If his prophets will prophesy, those words come to pass. See, even Balak understood that. If the prophets will prophesy, then those words will come to pass because that's God's word. So what did he attempt? He attempted to bribe the prophet of God. I'll pay you if you will please curse Israel. Because as the prophet, if God will curse his nation, then guess what? Now when we fight against them, because the Lord's already spoken it, it'll come to pass and we'll be able to succeed. Do you see that? So what did an evil king attempt to do? Because he doesn't understand, obviously, the nature of God and the character of God. So he attempts to bribe a prophet to get God on their side or God's word on their side so that they can win. And, and Balaam obviously has to inquire of the Lord and goes to talk to God. And God says, I've not, I've not found any fault with my people. Why would I curse them? Why would I curse them? I've not found any fault. In fact, there's a shout of a king in their camp. And Balaam had to go back and say, sorry, sorry, I can't curse what God's already blessed. That's the whole point, isn't it? That's the whole point. I can't curse what God has already blessed. It doesn't matter who comes against you. Here's what I'm trying to get across to you in this final point today. It doesn't matter who comes against you if God's on your side. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? The answer, nobody. I don't care if they try to bribe a prophet. If God didn't say it, it's not coming to pass. It's not coming to pass. And you know, Balaam got rebuked, by the way, by the Lord. He got rebuked by the Lord. Didn't end well. Didn't end well. Greed overtook him. So you understand this. God's not going to be manipulated into cursing his own people. You think God's a fool? He is wisdom. He is truth. He can't lie, can't abandon you, can't lie, and he can't fail. And here, once again, could not fail. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I mean, 
go on through the Old Testament. You know, the same thing. They try, they're so foolish. They try to do the same thing over and over and over. And the Bible says the same thing happened in 2 Kings chapter 6, where you have another evil king who wants to destroy Israel again. And now every time he makes plans to destroy Israel, God would reveal the plans to Elisha, the prophet. And then Elisha would warn Israel of the plans of this evil king. And they would foil the plans because God's for them, not against them. And so the king said, I mean, it was so specific what was being told to Israel. The king was positive. There's got to be a traitor in my camp telling my plans. And they said, King, listen, your majesty, there is no traitor in your camp. They've got a prophet. And the prophet hears what you say even in your bedchamber. And he said, oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, then we've got to take out the prophet. You see that? We've got to take out the prophet. So watch this. If they can't manipulate the words of God, they'll try to kill the people that are speaking the words of God. <laughs> but if God's for you, who can be against you? And so they send troops to surround the city where Elisha and his servant are staying. And the servant goes out and sees the troops and freaks out. Oh, they've got us surrounded. What are we going to do? And Elisha prays the prayer and says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And immediately the servant's eyes are opened and he could see that the hills surrounding the city were filled with angels, chariots of fire, flaming. I mean, and then the prophet said, there's more with us than there are with them. Hallelujah. You know why? Because if God's for you, who can be against you? Put it in the comments. There's more with us than there are with them. Write that right now in the comments section. There are more with us than there are with them. There are more with us than there are with them. Glory to God. That's a place to shout. If you haven't shouted yet in your house on this Saturday morning, shout now. There's more with us than there are with them. Glory to God. There's more with us than there are with them. And God cannot fail, which means you'll not fail. You'll not be destroyed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God cannot abandon you. He cannot lie and he cannot fail. Glory to God. There's more with us than there are with them. More with us than there are with them. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be downtrodden. Oh, I don't know, it's 2021. It's going to be a rough year. It's not going to be a rough year for the faithful. We're going to soar above our enemies. We're going to soar above every attack of the devil. We're going to soar above every wicked thing, plan and agenda that the enemy has tried to set up. We're soaring. We'll mount up with wings as eagles. We'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk. We'll not faint. We're going to renew our strength in 2021. In Jesus' name. God cannot fail. Look with me at Joshua 
chapter 21. I love this. We're into Joshua now. If you're following us on the Bible reading plan, um, we jumped into Joshua. Now, today's day 16 of the reading plan, day 16 of 90. We're reading the Bible in 90 days. And if you'd like to join us, it's very easy to get the uh, reading plan. Go to miracleword.com forward slash study, and you can download the Bible reading plan that we're doing. Uh, Bible in 90 days. It's not too late to start. Start now. Grab it. We've created this PDF for you and you can get our reading plan that we're doing here for the next 90 days, as well as uh, a bunch of videos to help you study the Bible right on that page, that one page. Joshua 21 and verse 45. Look at this. The Bible says not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. There's two of our points in one verse of scripture. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Our God cannot fail. Give you one more. Get you shouting. (laughs) I love it. Deuteronomy 31, eight, it's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Why? The Lord's going before you. He's the one that your enemies will encounter first. Not you, the Lord who goes before you. I've used this analogy many times in preaching and on the broadcast. It's just like in the NFL. The running back doesn't have to try to run the ball into the end zone by himself. He's got big men in front of him in the form of the offensive line who will knock people down and make a hole that he can run through untouched into the end zone. What is that? It's them going before you and making a way. And that's exactly what happens with the Lord our God is that he goes before you and your enemies encounter him first, not you, him. That's what happened in 2 Chronicles 20. All they did was praise the Lord. He went out ahead of them. And by the time they got to even the lookout point in the wilderness, the Bible says all their enemies had already been defeated. Glory to God. Glory to God. God cannot abandon you. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. That's exactly right, Jonathan. He's an offensive God, not a defensive God. He's an offensive God, not a defensive God. Let me show you what I mean. In, uh, I believe it's the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, we have the story of um, God's people in Judah being surrounded by Uh, 185,000 soldiers. And I've used this story. You've heard it. Uh, Or excuse me, 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19. Sennacherib sends the army and Hezekiah prays. If God was a defensive God, the Bible reading plan again, miracleword.com forward slash study. 
miracleword.com forward slash study. If God, as Jonathan says, and it's a great point, he's an offensive God, not defensive. If all God wanted to do was defend his children, then he could have allowed the enemy to attack there and then just put up a, a supernatural shield around the city. But that's not what God did, is it? In the night, God sent one angel down from heaven, one. And in the night, God went on the offense and killed every one of their enemies, killed them all, killed them all. When they woke up in the morning, it was just dead bodies laying around the city. 185,000 dead bodies. <laughs> Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 20, same story. Three armies united to come against God's people. If all God wanted to do was defend them, he could have just put a supernatural protection around them. And when the armies came against them, but he didn't, they praised God. God went ahead of them and attacked and attacked. And every last one was dead. Every last one. And I want you to hear something because I, I do want to say this in 2021. God's not making plans to defend you. God is attacking your enemies in 2021 in Jesus name. I want you to put that in the comments. God is attacking my enemies. I love it. Psalm 97, three, a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. That's exactly right. A fire goes before him. Our God is fire. He's an all consuming fire. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies or his adversaries all around. Thank you, Jesus. God is attacking my enemies in 2021. Every demon that thought it was going to come against me, all sickness, all disease, every attack against my ministry, my family, my finances, my mind, God's already out ahead of me and out ahead of you attacking your enemies. God is an offensive God. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. Hallelujah. And you ought to be encouraged today. As I said at the beginning, don't put your faith in the natural. Don't put your faith in men. Don't put your faith in systems, governments, economies, cultures. Don't put your faith in what's natural. Put your faith in what's supernatural. That's the Lord our God. Because he cannot fail. And I'm going to pray for you at the end of this broadcast that your faith would be increased. That's why I come on here and preach faith to you is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is being increased right now. Today, your faith is going to another level today. It already has because you've heard the word preached and the word preached builds your faith. I'm injecting you with faith deposits every day for the purpose of all of us going up to another level. Amen. And God's going to impart to us the spirit of faith, the spirit of faith. And we're not going to fail because God doesn't fail. And we're his people. Bow your head. Father, in Jesus name, I'm praying for your people today, praying for those that are watching and listening. I ask you, Lord, 
touch them supernaturally. Impart to everyone a fresh spirit of faith. Let their faith continually be increased. Lord, right now we thank you that you're going out ahead of us and you're striking our enemies, burning our adversaries up with the fire of the Holy Ghost. We thank you that every virus that would come toward us is burn up. Every sickness, every disease, every attack against peace, joy, love, every attack against our finances. Lord, it's being burned up today by the fire of your spirit. Go out ahead of us, Lord, strike down every enemy of our soul. Blow your breath from heaven and scatter the wicked. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for our victory. Thank you that it's never ending. We thank you that the path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect light of day. Never ending increase is our story, Lord, and we give you glory for that. We give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Open doors for your people right now. Strengthen them, Lord, if they're suffering today. If the enemy's already attacked, I take authority over that attack in Jesus' name. Receive healing into your body. Receive healing into your body. Receive strength into your body. Receive peace in your mind. Receive joy in your soul. In Jesus' name. Lord, heal broken marriages. Heal relationships. For those that have been faithful to sow, to tithe, they're giving. Bless them financially in this new year. Let it be the greatest day that they've ever seen in their lives. 2021, we're stepping into the greatest days. that we've ever seen in Jesus mighty name. And everybody say, amen. If you believe it, put it in the comment section. Something else that just jumped into my spirit. I want to show you because I'm going to give you an, uh, an opportunity to sow today on this Saturday, but something came up in my spirit. That's so strong and it stayed with me. I started to talk about it last night and um, I never really went here. We'd been on for a while, but I'm going to show it to you today. And this is a concept that's just for you. This is a concept for the victory tribe. I want you to hear this and see it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of helping you. If you'll, if you'll adopt this mindset, which I adopted this a a long time ago and it's proved to work nonstop. And I'm going to show it to you. It's a concept I learned from King David in the Old Testament. And let me tell you, this is strong. Let me read you a short little passage here and give you this concept. Listen, this is to be attached to your giving life. If you'll, if you'll put this principle into action in your giving life, get ready for never ending increase. That's all we've seen. Uh, second Samuel 24, and I'm starting with verse 18, a short passage here. Catch this principle. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arana looked down, he saw the king 
and his servants coming on toward him. And Arana went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. This is so huge. Catch this. Verse 21. And Arana said, why has my Lord, the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the flesh, the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arana said to David, let my Lord, the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. And here's the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Arana gives to the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Now, stop there. That's verse 23. Stop there. David is coming to buy the threshing floor and the oxen and all of that to offer to the Lord. He's, he's going to buy it from Arana. But Arana said, you're the king, you know, you're doing this for the Lord. Take it, take my threshing floor, take my oxen, take the yoke, take the tools, take everything you need. I'll give it to you. I'm just going to give it to you. Just do what you need. David said, no, look at this verse 24. But the king said to Arana, no, but I will buy it from you. And here's the key for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord God that cost me nothing. You see that I refuse to offer burnt offerings to the Lord that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an offer, uh, an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded, you see that, to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. This is such a huge principle that I wish every Christian could catch this. If they would, it would mean never ending increase for their family. But many do not. Here's the principle. I will not offer to God something that costs me nothing. If it doesn't mean anything to me, it doesn't mean anything to God. This is a principle that is so huge that if Christians would catch it, it would open up the blessing of God in their life. I refuse to offer unto God something that costs me nothing. That's why uh, you've heard me talk about it many times. You've heard me teach on this subject and expound on it and expand. So here's the key. Here's the key. No, you should. I don't, Alex, pay attention. I don't know what in the world you're talking about. Here's the key. If it doesn't mean anything to me, it doesn't mean anything to God. Doesn't mean anything to God. See, and that's the key. It has to be something that moves your faith. See, cause that's, that's really the thing is that if it doesn't move your faith, it doesn't move God because God is moved by faith without faith. It's impossible to please the Lord. Impossible. Impossible. 
For they that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so here's the key. When we sow, and and my wife and I have already made uh, almost a law in our lives about this. And for any numbskulls, we're not under the law, we're under great. I, I understand that. I'm talking about we've made it a principle that we never let go of. Is that we refuse to give God things that are meaningless to us. I refuse. You've, you've heard me say it uh, jokingly. You've heard me make jokes about, you know, going to Taco Bell and what I've spent in the drive-thru and sowing that. I couldn't sow that to God. How can I give God something? How can I give God something that I do the same exact thing in the Taco Bell drive-thru? That doesn't mean anything to me. If it's taco money, it doesn't mean anything to God. It doesn't mean anything to God. If it's something that I would, if it's something I'd give a 10 year old in their birthday card, it doesn't mean anything to God. Don't spend it all in one place, Lord. It has to mean something to you. That's right, Kimberly. There is the word. It's a sacrifice. It's sacrificial. It has to mean something to you. I was talking to Pastor Bill Motley while I was in Danville. um, And one of the things we were discussing, which is such a huge principle that ties right in with this is that you'll recognize throughout your life, and I said this because I want to see you increase supernaturally. If you recognize that as God's increasing you, the same offerings that you used to sow don't mean what they used to mean to you. That introspection allows you to realize it's time for me to level up. An extreme example would be this. When I was growing up as a little boy, my mom used to give me a dollar to go to children's church at church to give in the kids offering. And I actually would feel very good about that as a kid because, you know, many of the other kids were just like putting a dime in or had change, pennies, whatever. And I had paper money. I thought, man, that's a big deal. I thought that when I was a kid, like that's a big deal. Mom gave me a dollar bill to sow in the offering, but understand it was only big to me because I was a child. It was only big to me at the time as I grew, even by the time I was a teenager, a dollar didn't mean anything to me. I used to go take a dollar. I mean, that's how much school lunch cost at high school. When I was in school, it was a dollar to go get lunch. Um, You could go over and get a a really nice big pepperoni roll from the tech center for a dollar. It wasn't a sacrificial seed at 17 years old to give God a dollar. Now to give God a hundred dollars. Yes, that was a sacrificial seed because I wasn't even working a job at that time. So to sow a hundred dollars when I was 17 years old, 16, that was sacrificial at the time. Is that the same now? No. A hundred dollars at this point in my life is not a sacrificial seed. It doesn't even take faith. Doesn't even take faith. So if I just kept doing that, watch this. If I just kept doing that, God's not pleased with it. And the harvest wouldn't be there the way it needs to be because it doesn't take any faith for me to do. It means nothing. It means nothing. So I don't do it. 
because it means nothing, I don't do it. That's what David's saying. Look what David's saying. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. doesn't mean anything to me. It's not even mine. It's not even mine. You see what I'm saying? And Alex, who's putting, who put the comments in that I was addressing, he said, so we shouldn't tithe on the money we get for Christmas? No, you should tithe. But tithing, see, that's where people's minds are so low, like Alex's mind, so low to the ground. Thought process, so low. Because the average Christian thinks they've done God a service because they paid their tithes. You've not done God any service. That's like, that's like bragging about tying your shoes. Means nothing. It means nothing. We do it because we're commanded to do it. But that does, that's not like something that brings a harvest. And the sad thing is, that's where the average Christian in America is. The average Christian doesn't even pay their tithes. You say, well, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything for me to tithe off money I got for Christmas. Really, I understand that. Because tithing, you know, we do it in, by, because we have faith in what God commanded us to do, but it doesn't take faith in that same way. And so you might look at yourself, Alex, and say, you know what? This doesn't provoke my faith. Yeah, you need to do something that provokes your faith. That's the point I'm making. You need to do something that provokes your faith. So in one sense, he would be right. Oh, it's far less than that. Cody said, I think it's less than 20% nationally that tithe. It's far less than that. Far less. And so if you understand what I'm talking about, uh, Alex said, well, it, do, it doesn't take faith for me to tithe all money I got for Christmas. Well, let me, let me share a thought with you. Let's say you got $50 for Christmas. He's exactly right. That doesn't take any faith. It wouldn't even, if, even if I gave the whole amount away, wouldn't take any faith. That's the point I'm making. You have to be introspective. If somebody gave me $50 for Christmas and I gave the whole $50, that doesn't move my faith at all. At all. Now, if I added a, a bunch more money to it and sowed it, then it would mean something to me. But what I'm trying to get you to understand and see as a believer, because I want you to grow. Amen. You know what? Let me tell you a reason I'm so happy about the way that this ministry works is because I can teach you things like this without ever feeling like it's self-serving. Because in all, in, there you go. Pastor Jay Atkins, 9% of Sunday churchgoers tithe, only 2% of the total population. There you go. It's very low. But let me tell you why I'm so happy about this broadcast and this ministry is because I can teach you things like this and it doesn't feel self-serving because I'm not on here and have to have an offering or we're going under. I don't say we, we got, listen, we got to stay on the air. We got to keep this building running. We got to keep these cameras. We got to keep these cameras on. We got workers to pay. We've got debt. We got to get down. We got to pay. We got a mortgage. I don't, we're debt free. All the gears purchased. We've paid cash for it. Everything's taken care of. We're not doing this because we're in need. I'm trying to help you. I want to see you increase. I don't need a paycheck. My bills are already paid. I don't, uh, this is not, oh, we need you to sow. I'm not doing it to be self-serving. Sow or don't sow. That's between you and God. I'm doing it to help you understand that God has a plan to increase you supernaturally, but it doesn't happen by accident. 
like Pastor Jay's on from Kentucky. We were joking one time. We were joking one time because he was talking about sowing and we were getting into stewardship principles. And we were talking about that. The Bible says, you know, um, you know, a fool spends all that he has. And Pastor Jay, I remember saying to me, we were in West Virginia. He said, man, I must be a fool because there's been many times that the Lord's spoken to me to sow everything that's in my checking account and I've done it. Well, spending all you have and sowing all you have are two different things, but he's a sower and understands what sacrificial sowing is and what it produces, produces harvests. Yeah, 10%. I get that, Alex. Doesn't take any faith. If you're living in the blessing, it doesn't take that faith. If people saw some of the giving records of the victory tribe, they'd pee their pants and freak them out. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, it's not the same. And the average Christian doesn't even do it. You saw that less than 10% of Christians tithe. That's 2% of the total population of America. So, so think about this. 91% of Christians are literally being supported by, le- by 9% of Christians. Because <laughs> I'll tell you something, if you ain't tithing, then no, you haven't even given one seed to the Lord. D- do you realize this? Nothing you sow is a seed until you've given beyond your tithe. That's something you should put in the, in the notes. You've not sown one seed until you've given beyond the tithe. It's not a seed. Let me give you an example. If I make, just for, for the sake of round even numbers, if I make $1,000 a week and I come to church and put 50 bucks in the offering, I've not given anything to God. I've actually robbed God of $50. I've not sown a seed. That is not a seed. Until my $100 tithe is paid, I've not sown any seed that brings back a harvest. Not any. I've actually put myself in the position of being a thief, robbing God. And so I'm, I'm making this point because I want, to see, I, want, I want to see people increase. I want you to mature in Christ. I don't want you to be one of the 91%. I want you to be in the 9%. The ones that are going to be abundantly blessed. If we're going to run through 2021, you've got to understand how it works. I'll not give God something that costs me nothing. Hallelujah. And so that's why I don't put a number on it personally. That's why I don't get on here and tell you what to give because I can't be the one that determines what you sow. You see that? And so the point I'm making, who wrote that? It was so, it was so much Cody. If believers were to increase their giving to a minimum of 10%, there would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. The global impact would be phenomenal. I mean, I could read all the statistics, but you can read it and see it later. If Christians would just tithe only, with, without sowing seed, only tithe, it would add $165 billion to the kingdom. <laughs> I mean, look at Jay. During the Great Depression, 3.3% of Americans tithed. That's more than today. <laughs> People tithe more during the Great Depression than they do now in a good economy. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to show you today is 
You can't choose to give God something that costs you nothing. You can't do that and expect to be blessed. It doesn't work. It has to mean something to you and for it to mean something to God. I think of the parable, or it wasn't a parable, the story in the Bible of Jesus standing in the temple. And he's watching people give into the, uh, you know, repository, if you will. And all these rich men come and cast their offerings. The Bible says, cast their offerings. And then here comes a widow with two mites and she places it into the offering. And Jesus turns and says to his disciples, she gave more than all of these rich men. And it freaked them out. It freaked them out. How in the world did you see what they were given? He said, yes, but you, here's what you don't realize. They were giving from their abundance, but she gave all she had. Now, this should show you something about how God views giving. This should show you how God judges what you give. Notice this. God doesn't judge what you give by the gross amount. He doesn't judge what you give by a gross amount. He looks at what, this is how God judges it, by what you give to the ratio of what you have. So look at this, a a quick example. If two people give the same thing in the offering, it doesn't mean the same thing. Imagine this. Someone has a million dollars in the bank and they give a thousand dollar seed. Someone has $1,400 in the bank and they give a thousand dollar seed. God does not look at those two offerings in the same way. The same blessing will not come back to both of those people the same way. Because if I've got a million dollars excess in the bank and I sow a thousand, it doesn't mean anything to me. If I've got $1,400 in the bank and sow a thousand, it means everything to me. And so God looks at those two things differently because the way, and we see it from this story about Jesus, the way that God judges people's sowing is by the ratio of what they sow to what they have. Amen. That's why I'm teaching you this principle from the life of King David. I will not give God something that costs me nothing. And so when you pray, you'll know. That's why Dr. Rodney Howard Brown says jokingly, he says, you know, if you're uh, praying uh, uh, during the offering about what to give and you hear two amounts, he said, the bigger one's God. (laughs) The bigger one is God. And so God leads you to do something that means something to you because then it takes faith. And so we're going to pray right now. And the Lord will speak to you about, and here's the, the wonderful thing. There is no pressure today. There'll never be any pressure. In fact, Paul told the church in Corinth, don't give in response to manipulation or pressure. I'm not manipulating you to give. You can give or not give. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. But if you do give, God honors his word because what did I teach today? He cannot lie. So if he said, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, trust me, it will. And you'll be blessed. And so we're going to pray. And when you pray, the Lord speaks to you. This instruction that the Holy Spirit gives is so important because it's that leading of the Holy Ghost 
that brings you into the overflow. And so let's pray right now. And yeah, Lynn Ann said, the one that makes you sweat a bit, that one's God. That's right. Your flesh starts to push back and say, oh, 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 hold on. But see, he's leading you into increase. Isaiah 48, 17, the Bible says, I am the Lord, your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. Amen. So let's pray. The Lord will speak to you. Father, speak to all of your people today. Give them an instruction. I want to see them blessed, Lord. I want to see them increase steadily throughout all of 2021 and beyond. So would you give us an instruction today about what we should sow? Let our flesh feel it. And as we release that seed by faith, we thank you that harvest is quickly coming back to us. Our families will never know lack. We'll never know poverty. We'll never know bankruptcy. We'll never know what it means to go without. For the Lord is our shepherd and we will not want. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we give you praise. And if you receive it and believe it today, somebody say amen. Now listen, do what the Lord is telling you to do. Do what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. He's speaking to people right now and people are getting instructions that their flesh is saying, what, what? but do what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. And that instruction leads you into increase. On the screen, you can see the ways that you can give. You can always go to miracleword.com and sow a seed there on the website. You can use PayPal wherever you are in the world. You can use Cash App in the United States. You can use hashtag donate or Venmo. We're setting up Zelle as well for those of you that have that. Jay said, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. God had a harvest in mind. His name is Jesus. Every time God asks us to give anything, it's because he has a harvest in mind. I totally agree. Anytime God asks you to sow, it's because he has a harvest in mind. Do you know, Jesus taught us in Matthew 7 that God is a loving heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to those who ask him. Amen. God's got a plan to bless you. I I suggest that too, Chandra. I love that book. Understanding Financial Prosperity. For people that would like to know more about prosperity, we have a course that we just released. Uh, We're working on that too, Jay, but I'm sure we'll be able to do it soon. MiracleWordU.com is the website. MiracleWordUniversity. And um, in that online set of courses, we just released one on divine prosperity, divine prosperity, eight hours of teaching on the subject of divine prosperity to show you what the Bible says about it and understand the doctrine of prosperity. In fact, we've put a bundle together, all five courses that we have ever released, all five courses. That's like 40 hours plus of teaching. For only $249, we're giving you 28% off because each course is only $69. But when you buy all five in a bundle, you get 28% off uh, and it's $249. That's tons of teaching on the Holy Spirit, divine healing, answered prayer, mountain moving faith, and the newest course, divine prosperity. All five available right now. Go to miraclewordu.com. And you can join the university with everybody else. And you can watch these at your own pace on your phone, 
tablet, laptop. You can do it. You never have to leave your house. You can stay in sweatpants. It's a wonderful thing. And you can download them, watch them on the go. You'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. And so MiracleWordU.com. Storehouse Principles, a great book as well. Yes. Amen, Mike. Amen. So right there on the screen, do what the Lord's telling you to do. Christina's in there. She knows. She knows what the school's like. It's wonderful. We're going to be adding more courses this year. It's there to be a blessing to you. And we love you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for hanging today. Once again, there's no session tonight at 9, none tomorrow. We'll be back Monday at 10.30 a.m. and Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. This coming Friday, a week from uh, yesterday, is our final day of fasting and prayer uh, for the 21 days. And we're going to be doing a, a breakthrough prayer and communion service. We want you to send your prayer requests to us, miracleword.com forward slash prayer. And uh, send your prayer requests. We're going to print them off. We're going to lay our hands upon them. We're going to pray for you and believe God for miracles in your life. And um, then we're going to take communion. We're going to break the fast together and believe God that 2021 is going to be a year to run supernaturally. So don't miss, don't miss this upcoming Friday night. And then of course, uh, every night tomorrow, uh, next week, 9 p.m., New York City time, every day next week, 10.30 a.m., New York City time. Don't miss it. Thanks for hanging with me today. Have a phenomenal Saturday. Enjoy time with your family. Uh, enjoy it. Pray. Press in today and pray. Ask God to move in America. Ask God to move around the world. We're believing for a revival. It's going to be a supernatural year. I'd like to see you guys at our uh, second revival of the year. You know, we're going to be in Roswell, Georgia, coming up January the 24th through February the 5th. That's two straight weeks of revival. We want to see you there. January 24th through February the 5th, World Harvest Church. It's at 320 Hard Scrabble Road in Roswell, Georgia. All the details are on miracleword.com. Take a road trip and get into revival. Even if you can't be there for the whole two weeks, come for a portion of it. My dad and I are going to be there together. My family, my mom, my dad, we're all going to be there every single night. We're going to have service and it's going to be a powerful two weeks of revival. Love to see you there. If you'd like to see anywhere we're going to be in the upcoming months, it's all on the website, miracleword.com forward slash schedule. You can see it there. Click the schedule button and join us. We want to see the Victory Tribe in person. We love you guys. We'll give you a hug, not in a creepy way, in a, in a very godly, agape love kind of way. Not a restraining order way, an agape love kind of way. We love you. We appreciate you. Have a great day. I love you. I'll talk to you again on Monday morning. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.